Well, welcome everybody. God bless you all. It is so nice to be back. I'm Father Chris Alar here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. For some of those who have written to me asking, Father, what happened to you during the last two Saturdays? <clears throat> I was out with coronavirus, all better now, but thank you for your patience. So please spread the word to people that we are now back. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize or thinking that the series ended. Nope, we are back on track in today's topic. Sorry again, I'm out of breath, but I had to run to get here. Um, is a critically important topic. And one that I already did a short video on the other day and I'm already getting beaten up quite a bit by it. But please, what I'm about to give you is not just my opinion. These are church teachings. And um, we're hoping <clears throat> that you'll just open your heart to that. Um, even if you're older and you're saying, well, Father, I don't need to watch this. I'm 80 years old. Well, no, because you love someone. I guarantee that is using contraception. We all do. And so this is a very important topic. And um, what I'm about to give you and tell you is not to point a finger. It's not to criticize. It's to get you to heaven. That is the only reason I'm doing these things. Do you think I appreciate everybody um, not in agreement with me or, or, or people criticisms? And no, I, I'm willing to put up with that because it's that important to get us to heaven. And so let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to give us the gift of grace this afternoon to open our hearts to your teaching and most of all, to be open to your will, which that will is for human life and for the dignity of every person. And we ask all this through the intercession of our blessed Mother Mary and through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, all right, everybody. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about contraception. I apologize for the confusion. I did talk about the sacraments. That will be coming uh, in the next couple weeks, along with Eucharistic miracles and theology of the body. Now, this really kind of fits under theology of the body, but it's such an important big topic by itself, I decided to break it out. So you saw contraception on the title side. We're going to talk about a lot of things that I think you probably don't know because even I who had courses in this in the process of my um, research I was learning things that I said wow I didn't even know that myself and a lot of people I've talked to priests and whatnot so I can promise you're going to be getting nothing but pure church teaching all right now what is the first commandment now, we all know to have no other gods before the Lord our God. And this is what was given to Moses. But actually, before Moses, in the book of Genesis, we were told by God this commandment. Let's look at the slide. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This command comes from Genesis. 
before the Ten Commandments were even given to Moses, this command of be fruitful and multiply was given to Adam and Eve, to Noah, to Abraham. They all came before Moses. Now, I was doing the research on this this last week, and I'm amazed how much criticism there is about church teaching on this topic. And one of the big ones that surprised me, I didn't even know this, is the criticism that the church has changed its teaching throughout history. That's not true. I've done all the scholarship on this, and I can promise you what the church has done is develop her teaching, not change it. There's a difference. Now, in that development, we can go all the way back to the early church fathers in the first century, going all the way to our popes today, have all made statements condemning contraception, but please, I'm not condemning you. I'm, I'm, I'm not criticizing you. This is not the purpose of this talk. It's going to be to educate you on church teaching. It's not judgmental. Please um, don't take it that way. This is purely an education to show you why the church teaches what she does. Then you inform your conscience and make the decisions. I'm not pointing fingers or condemning anyone. And this is why it's important to state that. Now, one thing that's important, though, is prior to the 20th century, all Christian denominations, all of them, were against contraception. In the United States, in the early part of the 20th century, contraception was not only immoral, it was illegal. That's amazing. And it wasn't just... Catholics. Do you know Martin Luther? Now, please, again, I'm not, I'm not condemning here. I'm just giving you his words. Martin Luther called people who use contraception logs, stock, and swine. Now, I think that's very insensitive, but that's the fact that what Martin Luther said. So it's not just the Catholic Church position here. John Calvin, the Protestant father, said, the contraception is monstrous, and while at the same time abortion is a crime incapable of expiation. Again, I only say that not because I'm pointing fingers. I'm only saying it to show that there's other faiths that did at one time have a belief in why contraception is not right. All right. But now the Catholic Church is the only one, or one of the only ones, I think there's a few small sects left, um, S-E-C-T-S, um, that still hold this. But basically the Catholic Church is one of the last ones standing in opposition to birth control. She says that it's, quote, intrinsically evil. Now that, we got to unpack a little bit. Why is that so serious? Do you know that even the seven deadly sins are not intrinsically evil? What do you mean, Father? Well, okay, if I get a little bit angry, prideful, or slothful, that's a grave sin. But it isn't contrary to my very nature and creation. Our fallen nature has concupiscence, okay? Um, I am by nature a human being, and I can 
weaken in certain ways. But if I get a little bit upset with my cameraman Giuseppe, it may not necessarily be intrinsically evil. Contraception and abortion are intrinsically evil, meaning there's never cases. Even anger has justifiable times it's allowed, like uh, Jesus in the, in the money changers. He got angry, but that was justifiable anger. Intrinsically evil abortion and contraception can never be allowed, but there will be a question I will raise. What about medical reasons, Father? What about to, to um, normalize uh, menstrual cycle? We'll get to all that. Okay, now, to understand why it's so serious, we must understand the nature or the purpose of a thing. What is the nature or the what it is forness of a thing. Hmm. The purpose or the nature of something is what it's for. For example, I put a little short video out the other day, and I said the purpose of a car is to get me from point A to point B. It's transportation. That's the nature, the what it is forness of a car. But if I take that car and I purposely swerve it over to run somebody over and harm them, I have used that car against its nature. It's what forness has been violated. So to use a car to run someone over is not the purpose of what it's for. So things can be used for purposes not in line with their nature. This is where the church has always taught we get into trouble, okay? Um, these are things that are important, like a knife. A knife would be used to maybe cut dinner, fruits or vegetables, not to stab somebody, to harm somebody. So this, what it is forness, is the issue here. Now, what is the nature of the sexual act? The what it is forness? Well, as you watch many videos online, you'll see almost all of them say two things. Let's look at our next slide. Isn't that a cute picture? It is for bonding. Look at the two couples, or the, the husband and wife, and babies. Isn't that a cute little kid? That's a beautiful picture. So the nature of the sexual act is for bonding and for babies. In other words, the church calls it unitive, that's the bonding. Babies, that's procreative. So it's unitive and procreative. Now, let's take a look at our next slide because this is where it gets interesting. Contraception versus conception. All right, contraception works against the very procreative nature of the sexual embrace, which is conception. It's telling you right in its word that it's going against its very nature of what God promotes in life. So, when we first look at the procreative aspect of the lovemaking act, it is violated by condoms, IUDs, the pill, because the procreative nature, open to life, has been cut off. 
Now, in a less understood part of this is the unitive. So when you have things, and I'm going to talk more about this later, please don't get upset, but in virtual fertilization is a very touchy subject, and I'm going to get to that more. But the reason the church does not support that is it because it removes the unitive nature where the baby is now made in a laboratory and not in the conjugal love act that God created. Now, please, again, I'm not going to be sitting here saying that doesn't mean if your child was, was created or conceived through IVF that it's not a person or it's not loved by you or God. No, no, no. We're going to explain why the church teaches that it's a, a concern, okay? All right, now, any distorted act that goes against something's nature is unnatural and thus not good. Let me give you an example. What is the nature or purpose of eating? <laughs> all right, we all have to do this. But I eat for two reasons. And I guarantee you, you do too. Pleasure and nutrition to stay alive, to keep your life. Notice, pleasure and life. Unitive, procreative. All right, so if I eat, however, only for pleasure, if I ate only for pleasure, I would eat nothing but Big Macs. I love Big Macs. I hardly ever eat them, though, because they're not good for me. But if I only ate for pleasure, I would only eat Big Macs. I would only live on those. But then I would be denying my digestive system of proper nutrition, its proper end. And this would be going against its nature. If I was only worried about the taste and not the health or the nutrition, I'm distorting the act of eating. Both are factored in here. It's the same with taking either purpose of the sexual act away. If I remove the unitive, the pleasure, or the unitive, unity between the husband and wife, like in invertro fertilization, or if I take the procreative out, like with condoms or the pill, I have done that. With contraception, we've now blocked that. We, it's, it's about only gratifying our own pleasure rather than giving of ourselves. So Father Allen used to always say, and I've borrowed his term, it's kind of like you saying to your spouse, you know, I love you, but I don't love you enough to have you another one like you in the world. The nature of lovemaking, as we said, is union and procreation. So the church actually says if you remove that, all that's left is, excuse me, but the church says this, mutual masturbation. Now, Father, what are you talking about? My husband and I love each other very much. We just can't have 100 children. No, the church gets that, and we're going to talk about that. So stay with me. We're going to cover all of that. All right, now. Contraception also shows a slight lack in the trust in God as well because he said that the two shall become one flesh. Now this is important. 
Because when you have contraception, it remains two flushes. There's a barrier. The two are not united. The two don't become one. With contraceptive barrier, both either mentally or physically, the two flesh can't become one. It's kind of like a cellophane wrap with me trying to reach out and touch something. There's a barrier. It's, it's not united. Let's look at our next slide. This is amazing, and this is a very simple one. Only one male and one female. Look at this. It's incomplete on their own. If you were to only take the male, look at the left, or you were only take the female, look at the right, they're incomplete. But when they come together, they form one reproductive system. Incredible how God made that. How could you look at that and not know there's a divine, intelligent creator? So contraception, as I said, is keeping two fleshes. The two aren't becoming one. There's this physical or mental barrier that's holding something back. And in marriage, you don't want to hold anything back. That's the whole vow of marriage is I hold nothing back from you. There is nothing. So that's why the next slide, I put this one up on purpose because in the sacrament of marriage, this is so powerful that, you know, they say that sex um, is not just pro procreative, but it's unitive. And they say that in the lovemaking act, there's a chemical released in the, in the brain. And this chemical released in the brain during sexual um, a high point of pleasure is released and you actually form a bond with that partner. And the church has always taught that kind of bond is so deep, so strong that it should only be with the commitment of marriage. Because if you give that physical bond to a one night stand and then you never see that person again, all of a sudden, You've just given your complete self and they're gone. And so this is why the marriage bond ties into it. So very important. Only in marriage is love so committed that it could be great enough, strong enough, powerful enough, blessed enough to be open to that kind of commitment and bring new life into the world. Once a life is brought into the world, there's a guaranteed commitment that has to be made on both sides. One night stand, pregnancy happens, where's the commitment? And so this is what the church is trying to say. <clears throat> the church isn't against contraception because it wants us to be unhappy. It's against contraception because it wants us to be happy. You get that? Not going against our nature makes us happy. When we go against our very nature, we are naturally unhappy. Go against nature, you are against happiness. And so the church teaches, it's, it's, if it's against our nature and the way we were created, it works against what it means to be human. Okay? And so contraception and and in virtual fertilization doesn't allow us to be a whole person. And the church wants us to be whole. The church is on your side.
I can promise you that. If something violates the natural law, it's not good for us. The law, the natural law perfects our human nature. It's just not laws of nature like physics, like gravity, I throw the ball up and it's going to come down. People think that means natural law. The law of physics, the laws of nature. Apple falls from a tree, the law of nature, it's going to fall down. Natural law also includes morality, such as the man was created in complementary complementarity to the woman. Beautiful stuff. Now, another way to look at this, I said this the other day in my video, we have ears for hearing, we have eyes for seeing, nose for smelling, tongue for tasting, and we have genitals for reproduction. And so everything has a purpose. These genitals for procreation. If we plug our ears, cover our eyes, then we prevent them from doing what they're for. And that's the same with all parts. So let's look at our next slide. These are different forms of contraception, condoms and IUDs and oral contraceptives. You can see these are promoted as good things, health and reproductive rights, but they prevent us from bringing about what God asked us to do, to be fruitful and multiply. It prevents life. This is why the church believes it is wrong. It goes part against participation in God's creative act, and in fact, it even can kill. And people say, what are you talking about, Father? Contraception doesn't kill, it prevents killing. Because if I get pregnant, then I gotta have an abortion. Okay, let's look at this. It does kill. Now, not all contraceptives, but ones can be abortifacients. Okay, let's look at the next slide. One of the most popular is the pill. And what a lot of ladies don't know, especially young girls that go to the doctor to be put on the pill, is they don't know that the pill changes the lining of the uterus to prevent implantation of an egg. Now, sometimes those eggs are fertilized. Now, if that's the case, the birth control pill makes the body think that it is pregnant, it stops having periods, but then it tells the brain to miscarry it. Now this is where it can be abortive and not just preventative. Because the brain tells the body, miscarry that. So how many people actually know this? It's a very serious issue that the church has been trying to raise awareness. So contraception is sometimes abortive in its method, not just preventative, but it's always abortive in its mentality, which is, I don't want life. Now, the woman's body is perfect. It doesn't need plastic or chemicals or pills to interfere with it. I saw one video online and the guy said that, do you know that contraception or the pill makes a woman experience more than 150 chemically induced philia, um, 
physiological changes. Man, that's messing with God's natural body. Well, Father, but I need it. The doctor tells me that I need it to, to regulate myself. And, and again, I promise we're going to talk about that. If we don't want to get pregnant, the church teaches, we have a 100% guaranteed safe way. Abstaining. Yeah, it's not what everybody wants to hear. People don't want to have self-control. And men sometimes want women just to be available sexually on demand. But you know, if we, if young people saw the wisdom that the church had in its 2,000 year history, I think it would gain some credibility. But nobody wants to take the time to learn why the church teaches what she does, and that's why we're here today. Now, yesterday was the anniversary of Roe v. Wade and the legalization of abortion, and yet many people will tie that right back to contraception. And so this is why the timing is so important, I think, for us to talk about right now. Well, people say, but Father, I can't afford children right now. My family's in a really bad situation right now. It caused hardship on the family. The church understands this. It is possible. Let me repeat. It is possible for people to be faithful Catholics, have a sexual life in the context of marriage that does not involve contraception and still be able to space out birth. Really, Father? What's that called? Well, that's our next slide. Natural family planning. And if it's practiced properly, NFP, they call it, natural family planning, they say is as effective as any artificial birth control, 98% or more. Whether sex results, now here's the thing. <clears throat> Some people will argue this. Well, Father, that's a contraceptive mentality, so I don't want to use NFP. Well, okay. Whether sex results in children or not, the object of sex, according to the church, is the formation of families. Well, wait a minute, Father. If you just said a child doesn't come from it, how is that a formation of a family? Because the husband and wife are a family. Even in marriages where couples are infertile, it's a family. This is a key here. Sex is consummation, bringing two together into one flesh, even if a child doesn't result. Now, not all sex is necessarily procreative, but all sex is meant to be creative. Did you hear that? Not all sex is procreative, but all sex is meant to be creative, even if it doesn't result at that particular time in a child. The church says that it is a way, the lovemaking act, to train people in love that becomes the basis for a family, no matter how many children. Not all sex, it says, needs to be fertile, but all sex needs to be open to human life. 
Now, please excuse me for this crude example. I, I, I can't find another word but crude, but I think it works. Brother Mark and I have had two days off since coronavirus struck last March, so almost a year. In those two days, we went fishing. Now, when we went fishing and floated down the raft, catching over 100 bass in one day, we probably cast it over 1,000 times. So not every cast produced a fish. Not every cast resulted in catching a bass. But yet, we didn't cast into the trees. That would have made no sense. We made a cast into the river, even if it didn't produce, because it was open to that. That was its purpose. And so we are all to use our reproductive systems in a way that they are designed, even, even if it doesn't produce. So it's perfectly permissible, according to the church, for couples respecting the natural cycle of the woman's fertility to plan their families and to space out the births of their children, just not artificially. That's the whole key here. That is the whole key. Such natural family planning promotes chastity, self-control, communication between the spouses, and mutual respect and love as they act as good stewards of each other. Hmm. That sounds beautiful, doesn't it? So the church doesn't have... Now, okay, this is one of the other misconceptions I saw online. The Catholic Church says you have to have as many children as absolutely possible. The woman should be pregnant her entire life-bearing years. That is not church teaching. Spacing of children can be allowed just in the proper way. But back to my question, Father, isn't NFP contraceptive? It has the same intention not to have kids. Whether you do it through a pill or you do it through a, 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 another method, it's still the same purpose of not having kids. So therefore, what you're saying is crazy. No, it's not. And again, I apologize for using another rough example, but it's the only one I could think of. I once, unfortunately, knew two women in college that were my two best friends. They both wanted to have a slim figure. They both wanted to look good. One got me in the gym. She talked me, and that's what Brother Mark's been trying to get me to do too recently because I have been really bad with my exercising lately, and I got to take care of my body too for health purposes. But she did it through eating right, temperance, moderate, moderation, healthy eating, and exercise. She did it through temperance, now, the other friend I had, unfortunately, God bless her, I'm not criticizing this, but she would binge and eat a lot of 
fattening pizzas type things, and then sadly, she would regurgitate them. Um, bulimia, I think they call that. So here you have a situation where one was using temperance and another was gorging and then discarding the life-giving fruit of the food. Because that food is not going to give her life and nutrition if she then turns around and rejects it. And so condoms are kind of the same way because you're binging on the sexual act, but then you're throwing out the life-giving effects. You see the connection there? It's kind of eye-opening. But this is where NFP abstains and uses temperance, like the first example. And then they come together, engagement at certain times with the spouse to be unitive. So the church says artificial contraception is intrinsically evil. But methods of natural family planning may be used. Why, Father? I still don't get it. Because natural family planning does not usurp the natural way of conception, which allows the full open act to occur with no artificial barriers. So the bottom line, everybody, if you want to split up procreation, procreative, and unitive, the purpose of sex is defeated. We need both. I said this in my video. You can see cameraman Giuseppe. If it is not unitive, that would be like a man asking his wife to cover her head with a bag, saying, you know what? Put this bag on. I don't want any emotional here. I don't want any emotional connection. I just want to make a baby. Please put this bag over your head. I don't want any emotional attachment. It's kind of like surrogate parenthood in some situations. We would never do that asking a spouse to put a bag on their head. That just removes all the unitive, all the emotion, all the connection. I just want to make a baby. We wouldn't do that. Likewise, if we took out the procreative, <clears throat> you're saying, well, I want that union with you, baby. I want that emotional. But I don't want your fertility. Cover that fertility part with a bag. Her fertility is just as much a part of her as her face. You would never cover her face, but you're going to cover her fertility. It's part of her body. It's part of who she is. Well, cover it, honey. I just want to use the rest of your body for my pleasure. Hmm. Contraception is saying your fertility is a problem and I don't want that part of you, it needs to go. Well, wait a minute, Father. And, you know, before I even hear those arguments, this is why the church says that it's not love. 
Well, Father, are you saying I don't love my spouse because I use contraception? No. The act that you're engaging in is lacking the fullness of that love. There's a difference. This is why the church says that it's not good. Well, no, wait a minute, Father. It's actually great. This is women's liberation and freedom. Let's look at our next slide. Here is the example of that. This is it. It's women's liberation. I want my freedom. This is my women's liberation and reproductive rights. <clears throat> Mainly my freedom. Actually, authentic sexual liberation is to work with the natural way the woman's body was created. Like NFP. Sterilizing her with synthetic chemicals to make her sexually available upon demand is not liberation. It's slavery. Hmm. Never thought about that before, Father. Has it gotten men to respect uh, women? Because liberation means you're respected. Has it slowed the divorce rate and the rate of abandonment of women? No, they've actually gone up. Because of it, our society has driven all of our sexual choices away from marriage and family life. This is why, let's go to our next slide, Pope St. Paul VI wrote Humanae Vitae, which I'm going to talk about more, the landmark encyclical. He said, if you do this, if you drive sexual cho uh, choices away from marriage and the family, there will be problems. You've probably, if I guess, you've heard of Humanae Vitae, Vitae, but you've probably never read it. Now, maybe some of you have. But he said, if we do this contraception, there will be rampant infidelity among married people. We've seen that. He said it will lead to rampant promiscuity among unmarried people. We've seen that. He said it will cause the breakdown of marriage and lead to increases in fatherless children and abortion. And I'm actually not talking now just about John, uh, uh, Pope Paul VI. The church said this all the way back to 1930 when the Protestant churches started to accept contraception and the church, Catholic church held firm. So ever since then, the church has been saying these things, not just Paul VI. But the church is saying it'll cause breakdowns in marriage and lead to increases in fatherless children and even abortion. A second ago, I talked about that. But wait a minute, Father. Contraception decreases abortion because I prevent a child from being conceived that then I would have to abort. No, it actually increases abortion because, first of all, they are abortifacients, some contraceptives, like the pill, but also because it creates an abortive mentality that I don't want life. And so the only reason there is abortion is because there was sex by people who didn't want a child. It's that contraceptive mentality, or we're not open to it. If they were open to it, they'd have the baby. You see that connection? 
So instead, if a woman were honored in our society for carrying children, I think the world would be a different place. Now, it's a huge problem when a woman is pregnant. It interferes with her career or her education. No, this is a blessing by God. So if you are worried about the breakdown of the family, then look at church teaching. John Paul II said our bodies are both biological, everybody agrees to that, but he also said they're theological. That the body is to love in the image and the likeness of God. Now, how is that? All right, depending upon how you love, if you're a man, you're, you're, you're external. If you're the female, you're internal. So it's about gender. This is why Satan is trying to confuse gender today. There's nothing more core to your very being than your maleness or your femaleness. Nothing. You are, I mean, when, when, when a baby is born, the doctors don't look and say, it's a lawyer. It's an engineer. No, we don't know anything about that child yet. What we do know immediately is it's a boy or a girl. Very core to the very being and Satan wants to mess that up. If he can confuse that, he can confuse anything. And so let's look at our next slide. <clears throat> this is the root word gender, gen, G-E-N, means to produce or generate something, gen. So let's look at this. God's love then is generous. Again, it produces or generates something. His love generates. And that's why we have genitals to procreate. You know what the ultimate gender confusion is? It's not if I'm a male or a female, it's seeing sex as only as pleasure and only as objects, other people. That's gender confusion. And so to render the sex act sterile is to change the language of love. The body is still theological. John Paul II, I'm using his words right now. I'm taking right from John Paul, and I'm going to do one later on theology of the body. But a false theology is the issue here. The body will always be theological, but whether it's true or false theology, kind of like heresy or truth in the church. A theology is either heretical or truthful. Now, if the body's theology is false, we will not follow God and will not follow him in a life-giving love. Now, John Paul said, here's a problem, because our bodies can speak either truth or lies. And here's the question. Who wants us to speak lies in the ways of our body? Could it be the father of lies, Satan? You betcha. He wants to drag every human being to damnation. So it's like receiving, and this comes from Brother Allen, Father Allen. I had a long talk with him as I was doing this research. And he made a good point. He said, you know, contraception, Father Chris, is like receiving Holy Communion in a state of sin. He said, it's a lie, and God's grace can't bear fruit. 
I said, what do you mean it's a lie? He said, when you receive Holy Communion, it's an outward sign that says, I'm in union with Christ and his church, but you're really not because you're in a state of knowing in a state of sin. So the sexual act, he said, is the same. The sexual act is basically saying, hey, I'm in union with you. And I desire to bear fruit with you because that's the meaning of the act. That's the nature. But you're really not. You're really not. You're not giving of yourself. Now let's look at our next slide because who gave ultimately of himself? Jesus Christ. This is my body which will be given up for you. I give my body, he says. But with contraception, it becomes an act not of giving but using. You are taking, you are not giving. This is where we need to understand church teaching. You know, 96% of U.S. Catholic women said that they have used contraception at some point in their lives. 96%. Wow. 72% of Catholics, men and women, believe that one could be a good Catholic without obeying the church. Holy mackerel. 72% think you can be a good Catholic without obeying the church. I don't know where they would think that. Jesus makes it clear to be his disciple, we must follow his commands. And his commands are given to us through the church. In 2005, 90% of U.S. Catholics supported the use of contraceptives, of birth control. Then in 2015, a Pew Research study found 76% of U.S. Catholics said that the church should allow it. Well, I guess the only question I would ask, were these polls between faithfully practicing Catholics or just any baptized Catholic? I think the answer there is clear. Nonetheless, eye-opening. This is why we need to pray. So perhaps it's because contraception removed the fear of pregnancy for people. You know, that was a deterrent. Um, you know, I've read and heard that, you know, people back in the day, that's why they didn't engage in premarital sex. It's because there was a fear of pregnancy, the consequences. We've lost a lot of the sense of consequences in our world today. You know, look at the next slide. It's available on demand. Look at you go, I mean, little kids walking up the CVS aisle looking at contraception. I mean, 10-year-old little girl could be walking up that aisle. And it's led people to believe that they can gauge or engage in premarital sex responsibly. Now, you can't even argue with school districts anymore because they'll say that we have to offer the teenagers condoms so that they can be responsible with it. Now, I got to ask you a question. Do most teenagers you know, are they responsible in everything they do? Are they responsible in every single way? You know, maybe there are some, God bless them. But for the most part, I don't think so. What's going to make us believe that all of a sudden they're going to be responsible with birth control? It's crazy. Teenagers generally aren't responsible with much of anything, but they will with this. 
I don't think so. Contraception leads one to think that they have an unlimited dominion over their own body. God has dominion over our body. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, not the temples of our own God. Sterilization is now the most widely used form of contraception in the United States. So, this is the issue. People are so convinced, just listen to some of the political platforms, they're so convinced of their rights to control their own bodies that they even will alter their own being. Case in point, sterilization, sex changes, the desire for unlimited dominion over one's own body doesn't stop with contraception. It's so deep and Satan uses it so much that it goes beyond contraception. Now, I said earlier in this talk, the opposite of contraception is like test two babies. But here again is a refusal to acknowledge the limitations of our nature. If God doesn't allow us to conceive, we try to go beyond God. That's the whole root of our issue in society. Let's now go back, as I promised, to, let's look at our next slide, in virtual fetal fertilization. This one to me is very difficult. It's very touchy because the heart and the love is in the right place. I get that. Children conceived in in virtual fertilization are not loved less by their parents. They are not less human. They are not bad. It is not an issue of that at all. Please, I got... From that eight-minute video I did a couple days ago, I got, I got two very scathing emails that, gee, thank you, Father Chris, for telling me that my child is not loved. Oh, God bless you. I hope you're watching right now. I tried my best to write back to you, whoever that was. My heart pours out for you. I am not saying that at all. I am not saying that your children, your child is illegitimate or should be unloved or is not loved by you the right way or by God. No, no, no. But I am a priest and I have to teach what church teaching is. Children conceived in and virtual are not loved less. They simply were not conceived by the fullness of the love act. Do you see there's a difference? They were not conceived in the context of the marital act, in the context of the full act of love. Rather, there's a lab, there's a, a manufactured property here in a lab as a product, usually run by a corporation or a government agency. And the church is just saying, hold on a minute. Let's look at this. Something's not quite right. Now again, it doesn't mean to prevent them from being loved. It's, it's not about that. This doesn't prevent them from being loved just as much by their families as any other child. A foster child, an adopted family. 
Well, Father, I didn't conceive them and I still love them. Yes. But they were conceived in the natural act of God. So an adoptive family can still have that love just like it was their own biological child. For an in vitro child, yes. But the church said there's something not quite right with humans becoming products. The church is trying to protect the human here. My gosh, if everybody knew the true heart of the church, everybody would be Catholic. If everybody knew what the church truly had at the heart of her teaching, which is God, there would be no criticism. Yeah, the church has been its own enemy sometimes with stupidity and doing dumb things, making dumb decisions, but that doesn't change the truthfulness of her teaching. Now, humans, the church says, can't be manufactured as objects. They aren't the work of chemicals. Humans are a gift from God and no human being can manufacture the soul of another human being. Let me repeat that. Humans are a gift from God and no human being can manufacture the soul of another human being. So the church teaches that only God gives that through the conjugal act. The man and the woman come together, they do their part, but then God puts the soul through that act of love, not through a Petri dish. Now that doesn't mean again that we reject the person. We, we don't do that. I'm not saying that. Please don't tell me I did. I'm trying my best to try to explain to you church teaching because I want you to go to heaven. I want every one of our Marian helpers today watching to be with us, Marian fathers, all day, I mean all for all eternity, someday in heaven. Is that easy? Heck no. Is it without sacrifice? No way. This is where the real difficulty is seen. But as much as I love you and don't want to hurt your feelings, I care most about your soul. That's why we're having this conversation. All right, now, in virtual fertilization attempts to control what is not ours to control. It puts the conception of the human being in the context of industry, not the love of the act of the family. Further, it also creates far more embryos than are ever implanted. This is a huge problem. Human beings are in freezers. Something doesn't seem quite right about that. Human beings can die as embryos when storage equipment or freezers fail. At labs. 
This is the same, the church says, as abortion or infanticide. And it can't give church approval. It's right. So let's watch a quick video. Because the next question before Mark puts the video on is probably one of the biggest ones I have gotten. Father, what about medical reasons? Now, before I have Mark, Brother Mark play the video, I want to kind of say a couple quick things. What about medical reasons, Father? What about that? All right. Can the pill, for instance, ever be used to regulate a period or to help with hormonal imbalance? Yes. The church teaches it just can't be for contraception that is the primary use of the pill. So for instance, if you're a single young lady living abstinence, of course you could do that. There's a principle called double effect, which says that you can do something that has other consequences as long as those other bad consequences aren't the main intent of what you are trying to do and there's a greater good and so if a pill can help you in other ways but you're not using it for contraception it could possibly and I underline possibly be used under the principle of double effect it can be used as long as it is not used specifically for contraception so if you're not active and you're asking, can I take the pill for these other reasons, the answer in those cases would be yes. Now, according to the expert, you're going to see, and this video is only two and a half minutes, but I couldn't believe I found it. It's from my friends at Catholic Answers, and it answers perfectly this question. It's according to that expert, it seems there are also other alternatives available not just the pill, because we're going to talk about in a minute, there are risks to the pill. But let's watch this short two and a half minute video. in Sacramento, California, on 1520 AM Immaculate Heart Radio. Felipe, welcome. Hey, thank you. Uh, hello, Patrick. Hello, Dr. DeGallo. I'm actually calling. I'm, I'm, I'm a medical student at, at, um, in school, and I, I have a question regarding the use of contraception, uh, especially when it comes to a woman who has irregular menstrual cycles, and because of that, she's not able to, um, to conceive, to get pregnant. Um, what use of uh, oral contraceptives be acceptable to regulate her menstrual cycle in order for her to be able to conceive? It's because that's, that's something that's not really taught other means to regulate the cycle other than using oral contraceptives. So that's my question. So, yeah, that's a great question. And the um, thing to keep in mind is that in certain situations, it is acceptable to use uh, oral contraceptives to regulate the cycle, even if a woman is fertile. And that would be using the principle of double effect. And that would be the, the one action giving the hormonal pill has two effects. One effect is to regulate the cycle, which is a good thing. The other is that it may, well, that it may cause her to be uh, infertile temporarily. And if she were to get pregnant, could cause, possibly cause an early chemical abortion. So if the woman were not uh, sexually active, of course, then there would be no ethical dilemma and no problem. But if she is, then you, you could apply the principle of double effect. However, from a practical standpoint, and because when the, one of the conditions of the principle of double effect is that there's no other way to adequately treat the condition, 
Well, these days with NAPRO technology, there are ways to treat these conditions that work much better, that are safer for the woman and do not entail the, the risks of, uh, of contraception and possible early chemical abortion. And so in, my, in the last, um, I would say, 15 years of my medical practice, I've never have had to resort to using a, a birth control pill to regulate a cycle. I've been able to do it in other ways that are more complementary and in, in harmony with the, the cycle without all of the risks of the birth control pill. So I would ask you to look at, at a website called naprotechnology.com, and you can read, read up about that and, uh, and get, get some more information there. And you also can uh, feel free to call me at my office if you have other questions. So it's, it's important to remember that it's not uh, absolutely contraindicated when it's, when it's for uh, reasons that are not contraceptive, but in practical uh, purposes, it, it's hardly ever needed for that. Okay, so hopefully that helped answer that question. I'm running a little bit behind time here, so if you want any more information on that, you can find a lot online. Now, another two topics I want to talk about are the risks involved in artificial birth control, especially hormonal. Now let's look at our next slide, if Brother Mark can pop up for us. Look at some of these side effects here. You have non-severe things like headache, dizziness, breast tenderness, nausea, breakthrough bleeding, decreased libido, mood swings. But you also get more severe like blood clots. That's what I got now, not from birth control, but from flying on an airplane. Uh, kidney stones, I got those. Pulmonary embolism, I got that when my blood clots went to my lungs. And the doctors, with all these three first conditions that I have, the doctor told me I was in very serious health problems because of this. Now, you can bring on yourself the same problems through these controls, these birth control. There's emotional problems, even heart attack, deep vein thrombosis, gallbladder problems, or even stroke. Okay, so this is nothing to not take seriously. Um, other things, let's talk about this for a minute. Some of these risks, because these are very serious blood clots I mentioned. It says oral contraceptives can increase the risk of developing blood clots in the veins in your legs. That's where mine started when I was flying, and they told me how serious it was. So any woman could get this. They can become life-threatening if the blood clots leave your legs and travel to your lungs. That's what happens called a pulmonary embolism. It also talks about cholesterol. Some oral contraceptives have progestin, and they may cause, these pills may cause good cholesterol to go down and bad cholesterol to go up. We talk about blood pressure. Taking birth control pills may increase the risk of blood pressure, and this is always very serious, especially if you're already at risk from this condition. What about cardiovascular disease? It said women aged 35 or older who smoke and take birth control pills have an increased risk of having a heart attack or stroke. Cancer. Taking birth control pills for many years may increase the risk of certain types of cancer, like cervical cancer. There also seems to be a link between birth control pills and breast cancer. Now, I know it's debatable yet, but there's been a lot of evidence showing that. If you are at high risk for breath, breast cancer, like having you know, certain types of genes or family history or other types of cancer, now you could really be putting yourself at risk. Again, not natural. But you know, it's, it, it extends beyond the body risks. 
You know, in the environment today, we hear all this about global warming. We, we hear Greta Grunberg or whatever her name is talking about all this and all the celebrities talking about uh, climate change and all this. Okay, yes, we need to be aware of this. But do you hear them ever talk about the environmental effects of birth control pills? What? There's no environmental effect, Father, on birth control pills. Yes, there is. Do you know, in addition, that, you know, we all know the serious physical side effects we just talked about for women on the pill or the patch or injectables or implants or IUDs with hormones. Um, but you never hear it discussed. Either the risk to the woman or risk to the environment. And the effects of birth control go beyond just the woman's body. We talked about the risk just a second ago to the body, but do you know the risk go beyond the body? This is what I didn't know, and it was surprising to me. Do you know, as I said, Brother Mark and I love the outdoors. We go fishing. Do you know a single drop of some of these chemicals that are hormone chemicals in these birth control pills, which can pass through the female and out in the urine, they are not cleaned up at waste control plants. Waste control plants can get things like PCBs. They can't get hormones. So these get out into the environment through sewage. And when the water treatment plants treat them, they can't remove the hormones, so it's in our drinking water. Now, a single drop of some of these chemicals, a single drop can pollute over 200,000 gallons of water so much that it can cause significant health problems in fish. This is equivalent to three drops in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. 660,000 gallon Olympic sized swimming pool, three drops, and you could contaminate the whole thing. Do you know? Look at our next slide. This is scary. A single thimble, just a little shot glass of this hormone, would have enough impact on fish living in an entire lake the size of three football fields across. That's what they, these scientists are finding. Estrogens in these chemicals interfere with indoctrine and doctrine systems of both humans but animals too. So they call these things estrogen-based EDCs. And they, as I said, they can't be filtered out in water treatment plants. Therefore, there's a threat. Now, I read a lot about this last night. The top environmental agencies in the U.S., Canada, and England have all found, and you can find this online, that exposure to birth control hormones has caused feminization in fish, delayed reproduction in female fish, and damaged the kidneys and livers of both male and female fish significantly. Studies have found that female fish now in some places, listen to this, this is amazing. I think this was in Pittsburgh. They said they did a study of the rivers there and female fish outnumbered male fish 10 to 1. You know why? Because the male fish were growing female organs. 
because of the hormones and the estrogen in the chemicals that went back into the water supply that cannot be filtered out by waste treatment. There's a biologist, John Wooding, and he's a pretty tough guy. He said, you know, nothing ever scared me as a scientist. This was the first thing that ever scared me as a scientist. He said that studies in the U.S. and the U.K. and New Zealand and Canada have even shown that breast development at young girls, in young girls, has been rapidly accelerated since the 1960s because of estrogen and water. Now, I was at a mission, and I could probably say this about almost anywhere, the grocery store or whatever, and this mom came up to me and she had her daughter with her. And this daughter, I would have guessed, was maybe a junior or senior in high school. Fully developed, a very um, developed breasts and chest female figure. And in the process of the conversation, she was in eighth grade, maybe even seventh. I was absolutely shocked. There are full developments of girls with breasts now that they're saying at six years old. Young girls are developing breasts as early as six or seven years of age and look like adults. I mean, this is crazy. But yet spokespeople for these medical societies, pretty much silent on this. Because the hormones that are coming from the birth control, they don't want to talk about. Now, also, too, we see male fertility is declining. Sperm counts in men is plummeting because the estrogen in the water supply. You know, it used to be kind of a joke about men being effeminate. I don't think it's really a joke anymore. I think it's becoming a serious issue. The loss of of, of, the, of the maleness. One British study found that the incident of prostate cancer in men is highest in areas where the use of oral contraceptives is greatest. Direct correlation. Scientists at the University of Aberdeen said, quote, if we do nothing, we may not only impact human health, but all the ecosystems, including those on which we depend. If we compromise soil productivity and our agricultural systems or cause imbalance in marine and freshwater ecosystems, ultimately we threaten our own survival. And they were talking about the hormones from these contraceptives that come out from the urine of the human body. Very concerning. So let's finish with the last topic. I've given you all the reasons that we just need to pray on this. Again, not condemning anyone. Every situation is different. I'm not here to judge. We trust in the mercy of God. But my job is to inform you what the church teaches. And this is where I want to finish. I gave you all the reasons the church does what she does and says what she says. But now I'm going to actually tell you what the church has literally said. This is where I want to finish because the church has such a black eye but it really is not understood why. 
Let's look at our next, supply, uh, next slide. This is a very interesting Fulton Sheen again. Birth control. Fulton Sheen said, the words are not very proper because those who believe in it actually believe neither in birth nor in control. Interesting, huh? So let's talk about the church. Do you know that the earliest reference to contraception and abortion goes all the way back almost to the time of Christ? At the end of the first century, there's a church document called the Didache. It's a document from the late first century. In the Didache, a church from, from, from the apostles says, you shall not practice birth control. You shall not murder a child by abortion nor kill what is begotten. This is the first century church of Christ. <clears throat> this is why people say, well, it's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible. It doesn't mean these other things aren't important. The writings of the apostles are very important. All right. Throughout all of history, the, the church fathers, we had many church fathers talking about um, the importance of not using contraception all the way from St. John Chrysostom to St. Augustine, St. Jerome. They all talked about it. In 1588, Pope Sixtus V actually took the strongest stance against contraception in church history. In Ephraim, he ordered, now again, I'm not condoning this. I, I'm just telling you what the church, and you can see how it's developed into more pastoral over the years. But he ordered that all church and civil penalties for homicide be brought against those who practice contraception. Now, thank God we don't do that anymore. The church has developed her teaching. But it has not ended it. In 1930, there was a pronouncement on birth control by Pius XI called Casti Canubi, which means of chaste wedlock. And it declared that contraception was inherently evil. And any spouse practicing any of it violated the natural law and the law of God. And it was stained by a great and mortal flaw. Now, why am I telling you all this? Just to show that what I told you earlier is not my opinion. I'm giving you church opinion. Not opinion, church truth. Now the biggie is 1968. Let's look at our next slide. Humane vitae, which means of human life, promulgated in 1968, upheld the church teaching on the intrinsic evil of contraception and it shocked people because this was the middle of the sexual revolution. This was the middle of all of the new wave of liberation and freedom and sexual rights and yet the church still held firm. Paul VI, who wrote it, wrote it in response to the newly invented birth control pill. That's why he wrote it. Now, there's much, much rejection of church teaching here. There's so much rejection, criticism. I know I'm going to get the letters from you guys for this presentation. Most of you listening right now, I, I won't, but I will when it gets out on the, on the web. That's okay. I'm more worried about your soul than being criticized. But few people who have criticized Humana Vitae have ever read it. That's the first question I ask people who attack me 
about teaching about contraception. Have you ever read Humana Vitae? If you haven't read it, please read it before you criticize church teaching. In the issue of Humana Vitae, when he issued it, Paul VI, he didn't do it just on his own opinion. He relied on the Minority Papal Commission report of the Pontifical Commission on Birth Control. And this report argued that, quote, one can find no period of history, no document of the church, no theological school, scarcely one Catholic theologian who ever denied that contraception was always seriously evil. The teaching of the church in this matter is absolutely constant, so please don't be told otherwise. Until the present century, meaning the 20th, this teaching was peacefully possessed by all Christians, whether Orthodox, Anglican, or Protestant. Now, the Orthodox still stand with us to the best of my knowledge, but everybody else has abandoned this position on birth control. They have changed their teaching. The Catholic Church has not. The Catholic Church goes all the way back to the Didache in the first century saying birth control is wrong. Now, all those other churches, Protestants and Anglicans, who have said, now it's okay, how do they reconcile that? How do they go back and say, well, you know what, we're going against exactly what all the church fathers taught against and even the apostles, or I mean the Didache. All right, now, in Humana Vitae, I want to read you just one paragraph. I'm not going to read the whole document. It gets boring if I sit here and read. But one paragraph. It said, Responsible men can become more deeply convinced of the truth. That's all I'm asking of you guys here. Of the doctrine laid down by the church on this issue if they reflect on the consequences of methods and plans for artificial birth control. Let them first consider how easily this course of action could open wide the way for marital infidelity and a general lowering of moral standards. Exactly what happened. Not much experience is needed to be fully aware of human weakness and to understand that human beings, and especially the young who are exposed so much to temptation, need incentives to keep the moral law. And it is an evil thing to make it easy for them to break that law. Whoa. So if you're part of the school district that's trying to push condoms and vending machines, you're who Paul VI is talking about here. I'm not criticizing or condemning. I'm saying please pray. He has a good point here. Paul 6 goes on, another effect that gives cause for alarm is that a man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due a woman and disregarding her physical and emotional needs reduce her to being a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his own desires. 
no longer considering her as his partner whom he should surround with care and affection. Again, we're not talking about everybody. Please don't send me a letter saying, Father, how dare you say my husband and I don't love each other. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm telling you what Paul VI is saying that could be a cause for concern. And we have seen it. Now, does this mean that you must keep having children without any limitations? Father, you, you sound like no. Remember natural family planning? It is a way to space out properly. But John Paul II in 1994 addressed this very issue. Let's look at our last slide. Our last slide. John Paul II said, 1994, Therefore, when there is a reason not to procreate, this choice is permissible and may even be necessary. Whoa, Father, that goes against everything you just said. No, no, keep wait, wait, wait. However, there remains the duty of carrying it out with criteria and methods that respect the total truth of the marital act in its unitive and procreative dimension. That's what we've been saying, like natural family planning as wisely regulated by nature itself in its biological rhythms. One can comply with them and use them to advantage, but they cannot be violated by artificial interference. That is the key. So to finish, recently the church, back in 2008, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith issued Dignitas Personae, this reiterated the church and her opposition to contraception. And it brought in new methods that have now come about called interception and contragestin, dentation or gestion, I think it's contragestion. But this is things like um, female condoms, morning after pills, because they're new. And the church reinforced this that they also can fall into this intrinsically evil. All right, fall, they can be abortive, abortifacients, and can be very immoral. So again, this is it. Do you know in the 20th century, there's been over 100 Vatican statements condemning artificial birth control? Artificial. So people like Pius XI, we mentioned, Paul VI, we mentioned, John Paul II, we mentioned, they were simply presenting the teaching of the church in the same line of thought that began in the first century and the earliest church fathers and has continued through the Middle Ages and even taught by the Protestant reformers all the way to our popes today. You know... You've heard me probably say, and I, I want to finish here, there are three objectives to marriage. There's the unitive, the love, we talked about that. There's the procreative, the being open to life, we talked about that. But there's a third objective to marriage, probably the most important of all. Get your spouse to heaven. So if you are in a relationship in your marriage where it is difficult because the spouse wants the contraception. I get that. The church gets that. 
but pray to God to ask for the right words or the opportunity to maybe bring up this subject that to your spouse, you love them so much, you want to see them get to heaven. And it's church teaching, the church of Christ, that teaches what she does on this subject. And somebody might say, no, 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 my daughter is using contraception, or we are using contraception. Pray for that. There's many variables in the situation. But the most important is the truth. And what something is used for in its nature. And that's why God gave us, remember the gen, the genitals, and the love that we share. And so, you know, there was a saying, I forget which guy saw it online, but I, I want to borrow it. It was Christopher West or... Jason Everett or somebody said, you know, if you have sex and get pregnant, it doesn't mean something went tragically wrong. It actually means something went beautifully right. Amen. God bless you. And before we give the final blessing, let me have Brother Mark show the last slide. We continue to invite all of you to be part of our Marian family. All of you who are with us today, anybody who's watching this founded by mistake, remember, it's not a mistake. If God has you watch this video and you found it, it wasn't a mistake. God was leading you here. Please consider visiting micprayers.com. And there you can sign up. It takes less than 10 seconds. There's no cost. But you can share in all our prayers. We pray with you. You, we pray for you. You join us in prayer. That's the beauty of what we have in our faith. And as a Marian helper, you share in all the graces of our masses, rosaries, prayers, penances, just like you are a Marian priest of the Immaculate Conception. That's quite a deal of grace and one I don't think you want to give up. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next week. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why be a Marian helper? Because we Marian fathers celebrate a mass for you and all our members each and every day. You can share in all the prayers, good works, and merits of all the Marian priests and brothers around the world. And now you can share the graces just as if you were a Marian priest or brother. Every All Souls Day, we see a mass for all the deceased members of the Association of Marian Helpers. Again, there's no way that after we die, we can help ourselves, but we have to rely on the prayers of those here on earth. And we members of the Marian Fathers will be praying for you as a deceased member of our association. You can share in the graces of the perpetual novena to the divine mercy. Remember Jesus told St. Faustina that the chaplet of divine mercy is one of the most powerful prayers we can make. And every day here at the shrine of divine mercy, we pray it and you can share in those graces. So if you have any questions or you want to learn more how to be a Marian helper, please visit micprayers.com or call 1-800-462-7426 and let me personally pray for you and your loved ones. Thank you and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.